I'm not as eloquent as these gentlemen. This is the LifeSpring Family Audio Bible, and podcasting since 2004, I'm Steve Webb, the OG podcaster. Fancy meeting you here. This is the daily podcast where we'll read the entire Bible in a year. Stick around, and before you know it, you'll be able to say you've read the entire Bible. And in the process, I hope you'll be inspired, informed, and maybe even entertained. How did you find the show? Did a friend tell you? Did you hear about the show on another podcast? Did you learn about it in a fortune cookie? <laughs> Let me know. Email me at Steve at LifeSpring Media and use the subject line, Here's Where I Found You. Alan Middleton heard about the show from Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak's No Agenda podcast. He said in his email, This is exactly what I was looking for. Every year I come up with a new plan for Bible listening and devotional podcasts, and the ones I had for 2021 weren't really working for me. So the possibility to jump on with you was worth checking out. And I think I'm really going to enjoy the system you use for going through the Word. Keep up the good work and God bless you. Well, Alan, God bless you too. Thanks for your email. By the way, Alan has a podcast called Dorkness to Light, which you can find at dorknesstolight.blogspot.com. Thanks, Alan, for answering the question. And I'd like to hear from you too. Steve at lifespringmedia.com. Use the subject line, Here's Where I Found You. Well, today we're going to read from the New Testament book of Romans, chapters 1 and 2. I'll give you some of my thoughts on those chapters. And then there's the On This Day in Church History segment, and last we'll have some prayer requests. Before I begin reading Romans, let me share with you what some of Christianity's most noted people have said about it. Martin Luther, the guy that started the whole Protestant Reformation, wrote, It is the chief part of the New Testament and the perfect gospel the absolute epitome of the gospel. And then the guy that followed Luther, Philip Melanchthon, called Romans the compendium of Christian doctrine. John Calvin said of the book of Romans, When anyone understands this epistle, he has a passage open to him, to the understanding of the whole scripture. Samuel Coleridge, the English poet and literary critic, said Paul's letter to the Romans is the most profound work in existence. Frederick Godet, the 19th century Swiss theologian, called the Book of Romans the Cathedral of the Christian Faith. And then 20th century uh, commentator G. Campbell Morgan said Romans was, quote, the most pessimistic page of literature upon which your eyes ever rested, unquote. And then at the same time, quote, the most optimistic poem to which your ears ever listened, unquote. Well, I'm not as eloquent as these gentlemen, but I'll say that the book of Romans perfectly states the case that every human is in desperate need of the salvation offered by Jesus. And once received, nothing and no one can take it away. What Jesus did in his birth, life, death, and resurrection is sufficient to bring eternal life to anyone who believes in and follows him. So let's get started. Romans chapter 1. This letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The good news is about his son. In his early life, he was born into King David's family line, and he was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them, so that they will believe and obey Him, bringing glory to His name. And you are included among those Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. I am writing to all of you in Rome who are loved by God and are called to be His own holy people. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Let me say first that I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith in Him is being talked about all over the world. God knows how often I pray for you. Day and night I bring you and your needs in prayer to God, whom I serve with all my heart, by spreading the good news about His Son. One of the things I always pray for is the opportunity, God willing, to come at last to see you. For I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to visit you, but I was prevented until now. I want to work among you and see spiritual fruit, just as I have seen among other Gentiles. For I have a great sense of obligation to people in both the civilized world and the rest of the world, to the educated and uneducated alike. So I am eager to come to you in Rome, too, to preach the good news. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in His sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. But God shows His anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because He has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see His invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks, and they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, He abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning 
and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. Romans chapter 2 You may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad, and you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself, for you who judge others do these very same things. And we know that God in His justice will punish anyone who does such things. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that His kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming, when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will judge everyone according to what they have done. He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. But He will pour out His anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth and instead live lives of wickedness. There will be trouble and calamity for everyone who keeps on doing what is evil, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. But there will be glory and honor and peace from God for all who do good, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile, for God does not show favoritism. When the Gentiles sin, they will be destroyed, even though they never had God's written law. And the Jews who do have God's law will be judged by that law when they fail to obey it. For merely listening to the law doesn't make us right with God. It is obeying the law that makes us right in His sight. Even Gentiles who do not have God's written law show that they know His law when they instinctively obey it, even without having heard it. They demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts, for their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them they are doing right. And this is the message I proclaim, that the day is coming when God, through Christ Jesus, will judge everyone's secret life. You who call yourselves Jews are relying on God's law, and you boast about your special relationship with Him. You know what He wants, you know what is right, because you have been taught His law. You are convinced that you are a guide for the blind and a light for people who are lost in darkness. You think you can instruct the ignorant and teach children the ways of God, for you are certain that God's law gives you complete knowledge and truth. Well then, if you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? You tell others not to steal, but do you steal? You say it is wrong to commit adultery, but do you commit adultery? You condemn idolatry, but do you use items stolen from pagan temples? You are so proud of knowing the law, but you dishonor God by breaking it. No wonder the scriptures say, The Gentiles blaspheme the name of God because of you. The Jewish ceremony of circumcision has value only if you obey God's law. But if you don't obey God's law, you are no better off than an uncircumcised Gentile. And if the Gentiles obey God's law, won't God declare them to be His own people? In fact, uncircumcised Gentiles who keep God's law will condemn you Jews who are circumcised and possess God's law, but don't obey it. For you are not a true Jew just because you were born of Jewish parents or because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision. 
No, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. And true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of heart produced by the Spirit. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not from people. Paul's epistle or letter to the Romans is probably the most eloquent and developed presentation of God's plan of salvation in the entire Bible. It begins with an introduction in the first chapter up to verse 15, and then it moves into presenting the gospel in all of its intricacies through to the end of chapter 11. From chapter 12 through most of chapter 15, Paul shows how we're transformed by the power of God And then the final verses of the book are some closing thoughts of a personal nature and a blessing. In the first chapter, Paul opens by introducing himself and how Jesus called him to be an apostle, which means messenger. And then he tells the Romans how much affection he has for them and how he wants to visit them, and he says how God accepts anyone who has faith. Later on, he'll talk much more about that, but here in his introduction, It's noted that the message is that God has made a way of saving all people, whether Jew or Gentile. And then Paul moves right along to showing the broken nature of mankind and the trouble they bring on themselves when they turn their heart on God. He says they have no excuse because God has revealed himself in so many ways, but they reject him anyway. And because of their insistence and stubbornness, God has turned them over to do as they will. Once God lets go, it doesn't take long to begin circling the drain into a life of depravity. He lists several different specific sins, and it's a list that if we were to give each one a rating from 1 to 10, with the 1 rating being the most vile, the list might include sins with ratings of 9 or 10, all the way to 1. But that rating scale is a human construct. Each of those sins is something that God hates. Murder? Sure, we all agree on that. But arguing? Gossiping? Do those really belong in the same list? Well, according to Paul, they do. The point Paul is making is that we're all in desperate trouble, and a holy God is angry because of rebellious people who reject him. Now, as a warning, I'll let you know that the next couple of chapters will consist somewhat of more of the same. He's addressed the Gentiles in chapter 1, verses 18 through 32, and then chapter 2, in the beginning of chapter 3, He addresses the Jews, and he talks about all mankind in the remaining verses of chapter 3. Of course, the reason he spends so much time talking about the brokenness of mankind is to establish the need for the sacrifice of Jesus and the entire plan of salvation brought to us by a forgiving and loving God. Now, if you've never read Romans, stick with me through the entire book. I'm pretty sure that you'll come out on the other side loving God more than you ever have. Now, in Romans 2, the Apostle Paul focuses on the Jew. Understandably, the typical Jew felt that he was way better than any non-Jew or Greek, as today's translation says, or Gentile, as is commonly used. I say understandably because the Jewish people are God's chosen people. It was them to whom God spoke. It was them to whom God gave the law. It was them to whom God gave his presence, and so on and so on. So they felt that they were inherently better than the Gentiles. They thought they had an inside track to God. But Paul, in this chapter of Romans, points out the hypocrisy in this idea of Jewish superiority. He tells them that anyone who does not obey the law will fall under condemnation, starting with the Jew. Why? Well, because they had the law, 
they were more responsible because there was no way they could claim ignorance. And then he says in verse 23 and 24 of chapter 2, You who boast in the law dishonor God by transgressing the law. For just as it is written, the name of God is being blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. You see, the Jews had the idea that because they were circumcised as the law required, they had some sort of get out of jail free card. But Paul told them that it is not the circumcision of the flesh that mattered, but circumcision of the heart that God wanted. Circumcision was something that was a sign of being dedicated and set apart for God. And what God sees is not the flesh, but the heart. So when God looks at me, I want him to see a heart set apart for him. What about you? I invite your comments, and I'll share some comments from the LifeSpring family on the show. Remember, I don't want you to just listen. I want you to participate as a family does. You are very much a part of the show, so please comment at comment.lifespringmedia.com or email me at steve at lifespringmedia.com. If you're hearing my voice right now, you're a member of the LifeSpring family. You're what makes this show happen. Without you, there is no show. You've heard me talk about value for value before, but listen to what Oaken, a really smart guy from Namibia, said on the latest Podcasting 2.0 podcast. That is value for value. If I'm valuable in your life, would you not want to give some value to me? So if I'm giving you knowledge or if I'm entertaining you, why wouldn't you want to give me the value that you want to give me without somebody else taking a piece that none of us know about? And then he went on to talk about the hidden fees that banks and other funds processors take when dealing with normal currency. But Oaken really gets it, and he's very much into value for value. And I want to thank the family members who are streaming sats and boosting. It's awesome. Now, nobody sent a boostagram in the last 24 hours, so I have nothing new to share on that front. But now would be a good time to remind you to boost. <laughs> boost. 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 Boost represents the future of podcasting. And if you're not into all this boosting and sats talk, you're always welcome to send good old dollars to support the show. You can do that at support.lifespringmedia.com. However you support the show, as members of the LifeSpring family, you are very much a part of producing the show. And when you do support it, you're helping to spread the good news. God bless you. On this day in church history, September 5th, 1810, the American Board of Commissioners for Foreign Missions was formally organized by the Congregational Churches of New England at Farmington, Connecticut. It was the first foreign mission society established in America. And in 1802, we had the birth of Frederick Oakley, an Anglican clergyman who became a Catholic during the time of the Oxford Movement in 1845. Oakley authored several volumes of poetry, and his translation of the Latin Adeste Fidelis gave the church the popular carol, O Come All Ye Faithful. Well, as of the recording of this show at uh, Saturday evening at 6.05, I haven't received any new prayer requests, but let's continue to pray for Sean and his wife, for his mom and dad, his friend who has walked away from God in Sean's church. Also, let's continue to pray for Brian's mom who has cancer and John who asked us to pray for Canada and the way freedoms are being taken away in the name of safety from COVID-19. 
than my friends Dell and Kathy and my son, who's also walked away from God. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, right now, we do just lift up Sean and his wife. We lift up his mom and dad, his friend who's walked away from God and his church. Lord, you know very well what each need is in each one of those areas. Sean and his wife are newly married, and they're looking to strengthen their bond. And I pray, God, that you'll help them to do that. Send things into their life, Lord, that bring them together. Send good things that bring them together, and some of the difficult things that I know, in my own case, brought Leanne and I together. I pray for the health of his mom and dad, Lord, that they can continue to be blessings in the lives of others. I pray for his friend who's walked away from you, Lord. Do whatever it takes, Father, to bring him back to you. I know you love him more than Sean does or anybody else. You have a tremendous love for this man, and I pray, God, that you would draw him back to you. I pray, Lord, your Holy Spirit would be a very real presence in his life and that your Spirit would draw him back. And things are happening in Sean's church, Lord, in his small group and in the the entire church body that I pray, God, you would strengthen them, that you would draw them together as a family, as a fellowship, and that this place might be a light for you in their community. I pray for Brian's mom who has cancer. This dear woman had cancer before, and you gave her many extra years, Lord, to serve you, and we're asking God that you might do that again. And then we pray for Canada and actually other areas of the world, Lord, that are suffering lockdowns uh, because of politicians who uh, are ostensibly trying to keep us safe. Many people question those motives, Lord, and you know their hearts. So I pray, God, that you would change the hearts of people whose hearts need changed. And I pray, God, for deliverance from this Uh, tyranny of COVID. I pray for Dell and Kathy, Lord, that are having a really, really difficult time, Lord. Be with them, Lord. Uh, Strengthen them. Enfold them in your love, Lord. Help them, Father, to feel your presence. And I ask God that you would bring healing. And I ask God that you would bring healing to my son, who's also walked away from you. Bring him healing of his heart, Lord. Soften his heart by your Holy Spirit. Bring him back to you, God. His mom and I raised him to love you, And we're depending upon your promise that when he's old, he'll not depart from it. I thank you, Lord, for each person that's listening now. I pray that you would bless them. I pray, God, that you would help me to make this podcast a blessing in their life. And I ask, God, that you give me the words to speak on this show. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I've set up a page at lifespringmedia.com where it's really easy to give the show a review. Head on over there, would you, to reviews.lifespringmedia.com and leave a review. Encourage others to listen. Reviews.lifespringmedia.com Hey, sign up for the newsletter. I'm not going to sell your name. I'm not going to sell your information to anybody. This is just so that I can send you a weekly list of the readings for the week and uh, a few other little uh, bits of content that you won't get here on the show. Do that at news.lifespringmedia.com. Tomorrow, we'll begin at the beginning. We'll read Genesis 1 through 3. Tell a friend about the show. One way we can make the world a better place is to get God's Word into more hands and more ears, right? That's what this show's all about, so share the show. Comment on the show at comment.lifespringmedia.com or email me at steve at lifespringmedia.com. I'll read your comment on the show. I want to hear from you. 
Until tomorrow, may God bless you richly. I'm glad you were here. My name is Steve Webb. Bye.